It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Hoplomachus Victorum, Orleans Draw and Write, Gasu X, and Ahoy. Plus, is Coke Move worth trying? Find out in Taste Buds. Is Taste Buds worth listening to? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Rolling Dice and Taking Names, episode number 284, A Pirate Looks at 40. I'm Tony. I'm Marty that has no idea what this is. This is a song? It's a Jimmy Buffett song. Well, that's why. Mm-hmm. Up front, I am not, I don't, I don't understand or get Jimmy Buffett at all. I have yeah. friends from high school that I see on Facebook. Every year he comes through Charlotte, they do this big party and they go and it's a big deal. And I guess that's the appeal. I guess kind of like the Grateful Dead when they toured, they had their big mm-hmm. dead tours and people used to get into that. I was never a huge Grateful Dead fan, but I don't get Jimmy Buffett songs at all. That's fair. I don't get some of the music that other people like. The Dead. I don't get the Dead songs, you know? And I'm not a big Buffett or a, a big shark guy either. I forget what they're called, the, oh, his fans. What are they called? Uh, there is something with shark, isn't Parrot it? heads. Parrot heads. They're parrot, parrot heads. Nice. Nice. Good. And everybody dresses up in like Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, it's fun music. Let's, let's be, when, you're, when you've it's got your margarita. Music. It's drinking music. I mean, <laughs> where else can you go to a uh, concert and do fins to the left, fins to the right? <laughs> you're the only... Well, girl only, in town. So. I don't even know the lyrics. No, I don't and, even remember what they and, <laughs> But it's also a, we would fit in very fairly well because mm-hmm. it's only for 50 plus people, I would think at this point. Right. One of my favorite trivia questions to ask the neighborhood, which we're getting ready to start back up is name the ingredients on from cheeseburger in paradise. What's on the cheeseburger in paradise? I, no clue. No clue. Lettuce, lettuce and tomato, French fries. Anyway. I mean, I'm trying to think of popular songs by him. I can only think of two. Cheeseburger Paradise okay. and Margaritaville. That's the only two I can think of. And the one about the sharks that I just did. Oh, it's, yeah. Okay, that one. Okay, so I do uh, know. Okay, there's three. Okay, never mind. Well, that's because you're not a fan. If you were a fan, you would know all 320 whatever. Exactly. I guess he still tours? I don't know. I mean, he's got his uh, bar and hotels or whatever he's got down in uh, Key West. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's actually, you know, he's got all these bars and resorts I will, as as rob davios told us while we were visiting them mm-hmm. he's fluffing his money pillow <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yeah don't discredit the guy the guy has made a fortune <laughs> off this and good for him because he doesn't have to make any new music he basically just goes on very massive successful tours replays the old stuff and reaps the rewards baby and actually he probably doesn't even need to sing his fans will sing it for him he could be lip syncing for all we know that's true that's true hey i didn't know this was a a jimmy buffett fan uh podcast it's pretty cool people never know what they're going to turn into uh with this show well uh, it looks i mean we're going to be talking about a pirate game later so i said okay i need pirate songs and the um there was a kid's pirate song. What do you do with a drunken sailor? You know, I, c- I couldn't find the title of that one. And if anybody auto tunes that, there'll be some mm, problems with it. He just put it out there, y'all. I just did put it out there for everybody. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, what does a pirate look at at plus 50 for you and I? So I was like, he needs to do, he needs to update that song. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Oh, I, I wanted to revisit TantrumCon real quick if okay. I can. Yeah. So I filled out my TantraCom survey, and of course, in my comments, uh, you know, amaz amazing stuff. And one of the things I got to do is they said, did you vin visit the vendors on the survey? Did you fill out the survey? Uh, you raised I, your I, hand, you did. I raised my, no, no. I raised my hand that I visited the vendors. I did not fill out a survey. You need to fill out the survey. Okay. You need to let them know. So if you attended TantrumCom and you listened to this show, be sure to fill out the survey so they know just what an amazing job they do. Okay. And how you support them and things like that. But one of the things is, do you visit the vendors? So Marty and I are walking through the vendor halls. We wanted to talk to 25th century games. And before we did that, we stopped at a little booth called arcane comforts. And this is where Marty picked up his little scented. What did you get? The wax melts. Okay. And these are inspired RPG handmade bath products and candles. Mm -hmm. This stuff smelled good, man. I, I bought me some, I bought me some soap. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't get the soap. So the wax melts, uh, for, are those, uh, they're basically like little discs or squares of wax that you put into uh, heaters. Like I have one at work, they're electric and it's just a very low heat and the wax will easily melt at very low temps and then it just puts off an aroma. And I love those things cause I like to, I have seasonal ones and all this. And she was having a great deal on these uh, to where she said they weren't good sellers for her. So she's just mm -hmm. trying to get rid of stock. So I bought like all four you for them cents. Up. Yeah, I bought all four for cents for like $8. And they are really, really good. Like I used each one of them this past week. They're not overbearing. They just kind of smell fresh and good. Yeah, I really like. I, and did you get a business card? Yes, I did. I got her business card. Um, it doesn't have her name on it. It just says Arcane Comforts, a, and you can find her on Etsy. Uh, so unfortunately, and that's fine. I just wanted to bring you to the attention that we did this vendor. I get to open the soap today. We, our soap bar is finished. So I get to open her soap. I forget what it was that she called it, but it smelled really good. Don't care about the name. It just smells really good. But I enjoy when people tie things like this into the hobby. There was that one time where we had those scents for the RPG. You remember the lady who used to make the RPG scent? Yes. Yep. If you're looking for anything like this, yes, this is not a commercial, but you know, you got to help out the small business. So go over to Arcane Comforts on Etsy if you're interested. I just, I just like that kind of stuff. I think it's neat when someone does that. Well, and that's why, uh, you know, when I, we're at Gen Con, I say, I go look for things like that. Like uh, mm -hmm. last year, I don't think it was at Gen Con, it was at Origins where somebody was selling candles and stuff and they had wax melts and they had a huge booth at Origins. And I thought they just had some really, really good smelling stuff. That's the kind of things that I'm into when I go and look at booths at stuff. It's mm -hmm. not games. I like those little things, crafty stuff that uh, that is game related, uh, which is kind of like uh, we just got a couple of mugs from a company called Meeple Design. They contacted us and they said, hey, you know, we want to see if you possibly want to possibly work together, like have an affiliate code or, or, or something like that. And uh, we said, well, sure, we, we would love to check out some of, uh, some of your products. And he sent us a couple of mugs and he requested what we wanted. And we got one that says like uh, trading card game or trading card player and then Euro mm -hmm. gamer. And mm -hmm. uh, we each got one. You got the Euro gamer. I got the other one. And they're really nice uh, mugs. They have a really cool design on the front of the mug. They also have the same design and posters. And it's one of those things. I don't know if you looked at their site at uh, meeplesdesign.com. They have tons of different types of genres of game, war gamer, Euro gamer, Ameritrash, et cetera, with some really cool designs. Right. And Bert over in our Slack channel put uh, a mug we got to buy Mark, our other good buddy. It's, it's, he loves, and I say this sarcastically, rolling rights. Mm -hmm. 
one of his favorites and he has a he, he has to play yellow so everything i'm saying is the exact opposite so he has a roll and write mug with a yellow tinted color to it so yes that is going in the basket <laughs> we're going he's going to have to anytime he comes over in games i'm pulling that mug out for him not that he'll come over here because i live out in boondocks but that's beside the point actually i don't i live near the airport so i'm not out in the boondocks. you're out in the boondocks i'm out in the boondocks yes We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. We just got some very exciting news that I wanted to share with y'all. Meeple Design has given us an affiliate code. That means by using our code, you can get 10% off all your orders at MeepleDesign.com. That code is RDTN10%. Once again, that is RDTN10% sign. Use that code at checkout over at MeepleDesign.com and get 10% off your order. What are you waiting on? Go. No, wait a minute. First, let's go back to our program. Then after that, you can go order. Okay. Any, any HVAC problems? Everything's fixed? Last time you told us, a couple stories ago, we were waiting to hear what the one HVAC unit down in the um Oh, in the basement? basement had. Uh, yeah, yeah, we got co- to close this segment out. Well, unfortunately, it's not going to be closed because the guy came and looked at it and he goes, I think there's a leak somewhere. He said, I don't have time to do it today. He said, let me come back in April and let me just service everything and I'll find it then because you won't need it till then. I went, you're right. So the, the book mm. is still open on the unit in the basement, but it looks like it's a possible leak somewhere. Uh, don't be going down there now. We got some cold weather coming in. I'm not really, really up for that, but that's all right. I no, it's not all right. Now today is freezing cold that, that we're recording, but I think it starts moving up back to normal temps mm-hmm. after this. So thank goodness. Cause it's, we've had like a little warm spell here and I have been loving life. I went out, oh. I played disc golf this week. I just went by myself okay. out to a course and good. And my arm was really sore the next day. So yeah, <laughs> felt good. <laughs> Let me know when you move into my next sport, even though I still have my disc. I've got to get you on the pickleball court. I'd rather play disc golf. I know you would. Well, you're a tennis player, so I'm surprised you haven't moved over to the pickleball arena. There's no pickleball places around here. Your driveway's big enough. We could lay it out. That's true. That's true. No, I would I mean, probably play if there was some place around, but it's one of those things that you got to fight with people for courts and all this. It's not like it used to. When we played tennis, I could just go like to a high school, and they just had the the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the courts open and go in and play. Now everybody locks their courts and everything. So you just can't get in anymore. Stupid vandals. I know. No, yeah. I'm serious. I mean, that's what made tennis so good. I could, you could just always go to a park somewhere and find an open court and it's, it's getting harder and harder to do something like that. So I assume pickleball is the same way. Uh, yeah. And I, we got one in our neighborhood, but it's, it's always being used. Of course. I, I of course I'm like, okay, let this fad die. And, but, anyway that's but that's fine. that's what i like about disc golf it's free and typically mm-hmm. when you go there's hardly anybody there and you just kind of get to walk outside it's what i enjoyed about golf at a fraction of the cost and frustration until you get your disc stuck way up in a tree yeah you can yeah see, you that's can see that's cheaper than the club that i break after i shank one <laughs> or golf balls oh my heavens golf balls five dollars a ball or something Is that what stupid. they are now I don't know. Somebody was telling me about it. You'd be surprised if you get back into golf, how much it costs. I'm like, I don't need this. Yeah. Here's the thing. If golf was reasonably priced, I would get back into it. I would. I mean, I enjoy Mm. the sport and playing. It's just for for that, because it's so flipping expensive. Absolutely. And I, 
I'm thinking about it. Somebody's offered me some clubs, but I need to go get fitted and all this other crap. I'm like, a- right, speaking of golf, there's been a YouTube channel that I follow called Mood Swings Golf, and it has a, a comedian Trey Kennedy is kind of one of his. Spin-offs. I know Trey. Yeah, he has a, a go check out Mood Swings Golf. He and his partner make some of the funny. It's one of those things. Comedy is best when they pick up on little nuances of life that mm-hmm. you don't pick up on till presented in a comedic way. That's what they do with this channel. And there's one that came out this week. It's only like a minute long. It's called When Your Friend Whiffs. It is the, <laughs> it is the funniest thing. Anyway, uh, Mood Swings Golf. If you're a golfer, uh, go check out that YouTube channel. Yeah, he did some. My daughter's been sending me Trey Kennedy videos on wedding. Oh, yes. But, uh, yeah, because uh, he got married recently. He's ha- His wife's pregnant right now, but... I think his other friend is engaged. And so, of course, they're taking life experiences and, mm-hmm. and uh, making videos with them. Every, what was it? Every wedding video, and he's dressed as the bride, and he does the <laughs> slow-mo and the bridesmaids and the groomsmen <laughs> carrying the brides. Oh, I'm like, you are not doing this. You better not have this in your, and them all wearing their gowns and all this other stuff. Oh, yeah, it's going to be like, no, it is not going to happen. But congratulations on 500 in Discord. You got to shell out some money. Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, we actually picked a winner who hasn't contacted me yet. I guess there's a statute of limitations here after so long if this person doesn't contact me or give it to somebody else. We said once we hit 500 uh, members, we give away a $50 gift certificate to Miniature Market. And as soon as we hit 500, I randomly drew a name of the members. So yeah, it happened. Thank you so much for coming out. There's been a lot of activity. I'm currently playing a remote game of Cuba Libra with people. Tony, you and I have gotten with people pay Guild Wars some at night. Uh, big thanks to Colin for walking us through. I mean, he's our guide to these games and gets us where we need to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's go ahead and make a, 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 new, a new goal. How about that? That won't be reached if ever, if we ever hit a thousand members. A hundred dollar gift card to Miniature Market. Oh, okay. You're not going to continually build it up. You think I should do one at seven fifty? I do one at seven fifty. We check the so budget. Do- okay. All right. All right. Seven hundred fifty. We hit seven fifty. A seventy five dollar gift card to Miniature Market. There you go. Aside from that, we're doing contests all the time. We have people in our Discord channel that give, give, give. And there was a person who reached out to me and said, "Look, I got a couple games. I just want to get rid of. They're good games. Throw them out there. Let people vote on them." and enter to win. We have uh, a contest right now for a couple games and another person private messaged me and said, I want to donate on this. So the next week we're going to have another game. So we, we literally have a contest going every week uh, for people giving away games, including us. That's right. Speaking of which, uh, the ones that we just gave out, I know that you got yours mailed and I got mine over to our good buddy, T.R. Knight, who's worked in publishing on um, rule books and, and editing rule books. And T.R.'s a great guy. Um, and I sent it to him and he posted a picture of the package that he received from the post office. And he, he's giving me grief. He's like, I wonder how long it took me to put all the stamps on it. Oh, that's right. I saw a picture. Okay. That was hilarious. I can't believe you went through and did that. I didn't. Oh, so that, that's the reason for the story. Okay. So I take, I take his box to the post office and I'm walking up, I walk up to the counter and the lady scans a sheet of stamps and then she credits it out. I'm like, I, I don't know what she's doing. And then I put my box out there and she charges me, X amount of dollars for it. I can go ahead and say it. it's $19 to ship this box. That's what mine was that I shipped. Okay. So $19. Mm-hmm. 
And she goes, all right, sir, that'll be $19. I'll pay. And then she comes back and she prints out the postage. And it is $6 and something cents. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. I, I know the post office is having some issues here. But let's not be, you know, let's be not skimming right in front of me. I don't mind a little skimming off the top, but let's not be doing it right in front of me. And she's like, no, sir, um, this, this $6 that, and that printed out is this label, but these book of stamps or this label of stamps, we have to get rid of them because we can't get the new ones for spring until we get rid of all the old ones. Oh. So what I've done is, yeah, I've sold you this to, as part of your postage to be put on the box. Time out. Does that mean I now have to take my package back <laughs> and, and stick all the stickers on it? She goes, no, this gives us something to do during the dead time. <laughs> wow. Okay. Actually, she, she said, well, no, nah, she was joking with me. I go, ah, I got you. But she goes, no, we'll stick them on here so that, you know, that we've used all these stamps. And she goes, yes, every time that they just release new stamp sheets, if they have too many in surplus, they can't order them till they get rid of them. So as you bring in your packages, they do the stamps. Well, if I had known this, because this is fun, I will start doing that. I will start buying <laughs> the stamp sheets and sticking them on myself because that's fun. I, I'll start thinking about that would be fun. Stick, 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 stick them all over the package. Oh, oh, wait a minute. You like sticking little square stickers onto things? We need to meet for lunch before our game night this week so I can <laughs> hand over the next game that we're going to play uh, from GMT Games that requires stickers on uh, tokens. I got special tweezers. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to do it. They're stamp-sized and everything. It's perfect for you. Okay. But that was so wild. I did not realize that. I just, I mean, you never think what happens to the old sheets. I mean, Christmas, they go through them, but the other ones, they didn't. So that is why, TR, you received a box with a whole bunch of stuff uh, stamps on it because of that. I referenced Rob Davio talked about uh, money pillow when we went over there. Mm -hmm. That was so much fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hanging out with them is is a lot of fun. It's fun to hang out with people in the industry our age. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, we're not going to discuss the games that we talk about on Rolling Dice and Taking Names. We're not going to discuss some of our plays. We're not going to discuss that over on Discord or anywhere. We're going to talk about what we did with them, the taste bud segment. Well, it was Rob. Proof of life, all that. It was that was hilarious. It was fun. So that was in our last episode, 283. You want to go check it out. Rob is, I don't know if he uses the name of foodie, but the man knows a lot about cooking. Mm -hmm. He has, yes. he's really into the culinary skills. That's kind of his passion outside of the game. It's his hobby, right? Mm -hmm. His job is making games and, and everything. His hobby is food. And the man knows his stuff. And I love to hear how he deep dives into food and making food. And he made us, um, was it uh, risotto, chicken risotto yeah. that night that was, oh my gosh, some of the best risotto I've ever had. Well, he didn't skimp on the fat. That was for sure. Cause that's, oh, you throw some butter in some stuff, some cream. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. And I thought that was, uh, when you, when you go back and listen, I have to go back and listen to the show cause M Marty doesn't screw him up anymore, but I get to enjoy him anyway, just for the timestamp and to hear you and I go, woo that one time i go that was southern <laughs> i was like holy cow but um two things he said that night that i thought were very um we you know that's what i want to do for our stingers i want to get davios and put them at the end of the shows oh that would be classic man you know just have him send me a list of davios 
but one of the things he was talked about uh, someone who came up to him in a game show and said, I hope you're not upset with me because we changed the rules of one of your games that we've played and we think it's better. And Rob looks at him and goes, I'm not upset with it. You spent money on it. <laughs> it's your game. You do with it what you want. He's absolutely right. It's your game. And I get on you for wanting to change the rules. I mean, it's not like they play tested it thousands of times, but we can make it better. But it's your game. You do with it what you want. It's a very mature attitude. Some guy yeah. who's been in the industry a very long time, designed a lot of games and understands it's like, that's not a battle that's worth fighting. You do what you want to do. You have fun. You put money in my wallet, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. How you ever you want to take, you know, you spent the money. I don't need to tell you what to do. Exactly. With it. That's right. It's a very mature way to look at things. Yeah. But besides playing a bunch of demos, we did get to play the new Seven Wonders Edifice expansion yes, with him. Yes. Um, so you are a huge Seven Wonders fan. Yes. And I think everybody at the table has said, uh, it's been years since we played Seven Wonders. So diving into this new, very, to me, small expansion mm -hmm. uh, was fun to check out. Yes. And for Seven Wonders, uh, if you haven't played the new version, it really... Um, made it simple to do the uh, combos that you do on building buildings and things like that. I actually brought it out and played it with some neighbors recently. And it was very inter interesting to try to get through the whole resource mechanic of that game. Mm -hmm. Especially after you've done it so much. It's like, why aren't you getting this? You but say it's simpler. They didn't change the rules or it just mm. changed the card design to make it easier to read and understand yes. what the upgrades are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. By symbols. They put symbols instead of words. You don't have to know that you don't have to look for the names of the buildings down the cards. Gotcha. And I mean, they cleaned up the artwork. They made the cards all shiny and it all. It looks but good. The, this new edition really, really looks good. The card backs, I don't know what that is. It's almost like a foil metallic mm -hmm. sheen to it. I really, really like the artwork and card design. Edifice is, is a, I don't want to say dummy down, but it is Babel from the first edition re-themed. Where Babel, you were building up the Tower of Babel, and when you would place certain things in place, place certain things in place, imagine that, that you would um, activate certain powers for the group. Here in Edifice, when people build their wonder, they can contribute to the edifice to be built. And when they do, if everybody contributes enough, the edifice is completed and people get special um, rewards for it. However, if the edifice is not completed, then there is a punishment for those who do not help build it. And I think Rob's, Rob was the one that said it, said it kind of forced you to concentrate on your wonders. I've always built the wonders, so it was never an issue, mm -hmm. but it felt like a more of a race to complete your wonders and to get them done in the um, first stage. If you didn't participate, you, there would be a penalty to you. Mm -hmm. and, right. and so that forced you to, it's like, oh crap, I guess I better do this because I don't want to take that penalty. Well, if you didn't complete it. Right, right. You, but, if, but if the group completed it, they, aren't, they were the only ones that got the reward and you didn't. Right. So it didn't, it didn't punish you, but it forced the group of players to complete the wonder where everybody would be punished. Right. And, and by participating, you do get that little bit of reward. So you have to decide, is it worth me spending my time to get that reward or do I have another idea for victory? It's like, maybe I want to go heavy battling or military and I don't really care about my wonders and I'll let everybody else focus on that. Exactly. As long as people, you're not going to be hurt too bad and wondering and war and things like that. So that's edifice. If you liked Babel as an expansion, this is something that you would want to add back. I still need to get Armada second edition. I want to pick that up because that is one. And I, 
hey, I will play Seven Wonders anytime. Again, it's been years since I played, but it immediately came back to me, and I still enjoy it. It's a very fast game, and it's one of those very few games that plays seven play, uh, players. There's little to no downtime because mm-hmm. everybody's kind of doing the same thing at the same time. So, yeah, it's it's a solid game. And where did, was the first time we played it together? Good Lord. You, you were quieting my memory at this point. Prevagen, baby. Prevagen. Come on. I don't Come remember. on. You. I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember? I'm sad. It was Origins, our first trip to Origins. Really? We sat, and we sat in the game room, and these guys came over and taught us. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> it's okay. I'll get over it. What was that, like 2011? Whenever the first time we went to Origins. I can't tell you the year. I have no clue. Well, I went to Origins before you did. Right. So I think first... I think the first year I went was 2010. I mean, it was magical. <laughs> we went to a painting. We did a painting. We painted a little night. Now that I do remember. I do remember painting the little night. Yes. I still yes. have that somewhere. Because that's where too. I learned to uh, dry brush and went, this is magical. And then you come to find <laughs> out later that all the really pompous miniature painters that are out there go, I, I never dry brush. I just highlight. And it's like, okay, whatever. I, whatever. I'm not good enough to get the same look by just highlighting. I need to. No, that's one of the things in competitive, you try to avoid dry brushing from what I've heard and try to highlight everything specifically. So that's why okay. I said. Sure, whatever. They aren't really pompous. Anyway, uh, all right. So one quick story before we go to the taste buds because it kind of goes into it. So sometimes I get these weird packages, shaped boxes from Amazon. And it's like sometimes people will send this stuff to try uh, on taste buds. So I got this odd package and I thought, oh, this is going to be that. But then I remembered to say, oh, wait a minute. No, I actually ordered something from Amazon because in an effort to try to get more fit, and we talk about fitness in our Discord channel all the time. We have a big group there encouraging each other. Uh, My dad recently got a pull-up bar uh, for his house. Mm. And uh, it's a pull-up bar that also acts as a a tool for doing push-ups. And also you can put it in the uh, door frame the bottom of a door frame and use it to hold your feet to do sit-ups. I thought that's kind of clever. It's only $29. So I ordered it. And I, so I got this box. I went, this, I ordered it, but I said, this, this is really small. And I open it and it's a big party size pack of Oreos. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a win-win. And it's just regular Oreos. It's like, well, nobody would just send me regular Oreos. And so I went over to Amazon and I checked and it's, it's got, you, we just delivered your package. And I went, Okay, this is this is hilarious. So I order a product to help me get more fit. Mm-hmm. And by mistake, they sent me the party size pack of Oreos. <laughs> I thought, is this is this fate trying to tell me something? It's just mm-hmm. let it go. Just sit on the couch and enjoy these Oreos and stop trying to get in shape. <laughs> yeah. I was you know, you know me and my cheap stuff. I'm like, that's a mighty expensive thing of Oreos. Oreos aren't cheap, but man, that was $30 of Oreos. So, so I contacted them and I said, uh, of course, they're really nice. It's like, oh, we sent you the wrong thing. Feel free to keep those or dispose of them. And I went, oh, they will not be disposed. <laughs> yeah, you will. You disposed of them in your pile. That's right. <laughs> oh, the boy's like, we get to keep these? I went, yeah. And they went, oh, nom, 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 nom. So they, they super enjoyed them. So I eventually got my pull-up bar. And uh, so, yeah, so after I do some pull-ups, maybe I can have an Oreo every so often. But I did mention Taste Buds, and we do have a brand new treat, drink to try 
on this episode of Taste Buds. Is Coca-Cola just going to keep releasing these weirdly named drinks that mean nothing to do with the flavor? I think this is the last one. Okay, I think, good. I think this was a Starlight Dream and now more. Now, I do like the fact that our theme song is now running through people's heads in grocery stores. Oh my stores. gosh, that is so funny. <laughs> Somebody joined our Discord channel <laughs> and uh, they said, they, they made something to the effect. It's like, I hear y'all's jingle and it sticks in my head with Tony singing it. And I went... Awesome. It's working. <laughs> yeah. So you're going through the grocery store and you're like, and you see some taste buds. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Two incredible studs. Yeah, I posted a picture of us from Tantrum Con on our Facebook page and I put two yes, incredible studs. For people who don't listen to the show, they were very confused. It's like, no, I'm not calling us two incredible studs. That's just the line that we have from the jingle of the taste buds. My wife even pointed that out to me. That's kind of narcissistic, isn't it? I go, no, it's the, it's the theme song to the thing. And she goes, the what? I said, hold on, timestamp, <laughs> boom. <laughs> what did she think? She goes, why do you do this? <laughs> For the Same reason why I play games. It's pure enjoyment, Just baby. Fun. That's right. All, All right, right, so, so what we got, we got here? What's it called? Move? Yeah, m- move. You got to get moving. It's move and it's Rosia. Rose, I can't read that. Right Ro- Rosilia. Ro- Rosalia. 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 Yeah. So, first off, they put these out in these cans that I can drink in two swallows. I've seen bigger ones since you gave this to me. Yeah. Okay. These are the only ones I I found at uh, Walmart and Aldi's and Harris Teeter. Seven and a half ounces, baby. That's that's two drinks. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Here we go. All right. Smells like vanilla again. Yeah. It 100% smells like vanilla. I think they re- I think they redid um, Dream. It's just that we got too much Dream flavoring over here. <laughs> what are we gonna do with all this extra syrup? I uh, just call it another name. Ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. It's vanilla. It's the same thing. It's vanilla with a hint of something. Do they ever tell you what the flavors are? I don't know. I don't care. I know I say that a lot here. I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna look it up while you while you discuss transformation flavors. Reminds me of Dream. It's all it does. I mean, I was hoping for something limited edition. I think it's the can that's limited edition. I don't think it's anything else. I think they're, they are. They've got the same syrup sitting around waiting. And they're like, hey, this didn't sell. We need to rebrand it. Where's the marketing guy? Starlight, Dream, and Move. So I found an article that said, does it really taste like rosé? I don't know what rosé tastes like. My first sip of full sugar version of coke move reminds them of bubble gum i don't get bubble gum from this I, there's no way that's hubba bubba or big league chew no i don't taste or super bubble. I, I don't taste bubble gum at all no i just taste the vanilla somebody said no it does not taste like rose wine no it tastes like vanilla 
Y'all are totally missing the point here. They should get us to write these articles. I know. Where's chat G GPT? I could so, maybe write a better. But one. Again, it is zero sugar. So if you if you're and yep. I know if if you're into diet drinks, some people aren't, and that's cool. It tastes good for a zero sugar drink. It does. I don't know that I'll buy it. It's kind of like it's one of those things, cream soda. I love the first two swigs of cream soda, then I just can't take it anymore. Mm. That's funny. I'm finishing up on my Dr. Pepper um, strawberries and cream. Mm -hmm. That's still good. That's still, still good. You still like that? Yeah. I'm not going to buy it again, but it is still good. I like that one. I was surprised how much I like that. All right. So the three Coca-Colas. And oh, uh, um, before we get out of here, I saw Peeps on the shelf. And you and I, we got the special taste on that one. And they, re they released it. Oh, so I, you remember what was it? You had to do a funny picture and they sent us peeps. Yeah. Now I can't remember. I, I, I did two funny. Oh, the funny picture with the peeps was me on the lawnmower. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I got that one. The other one that I won was the maple syrup. And that's where I was trying to pour Coke and syrup into a can, which I thought was really clever. I'm sorry. That was a clever picture I took. Yes, it was. Instagram. And uh, so clever enough that we won. Yes, you you are you are the you are the man. You're the bitch man. <laughs> I'm an incredible stud. Yes, you are. If you head over to Shop Portal Games, hopefully it'll still be going on, but they're having a really nice free shipping for the U.S. orders above fifty dollars. That is their spring offer, and Marty, if I don't know about you, but spring hasn't sprung yet, so I'm not sure when this is going to end. It did for a little while. It was nice here for a little while. felt like spring, then it's got a little cold snap here. Well, head over there. Free shipping on $50. So if you want a 51st State Ultimate Edition, go ahead and get that pre-order in, but it won't. I wonder if that free shipping would happen. Ignacy really needs to write his own commercials. <laughs> <laughs> or kit chat GPT to do it for him. Brazil, Imperial, great game. 11. That's out now. Empires of the North, Wrath of the Lighthouse. Marty and I really enjoy Empires of the North. I, I have not played that yet. Have you played uh, Wrath of the Lighthouse? Uh, uh, no, I have not. I need to I need to get that. And then, of course, a great two-player tiling game, Basilica 2.0. That's out there. And... You know, it is spring. It's hard to get people to stay inside and play detective games, but give it a try. Batman, everybody lies. Get that back on the table with some people because he's, he's working on some expansions for that. Head over to shopportalgames.com. Get some website exclusives. I know my stronghold on dead, Matt. I keep going over there and keep thinking to myself, I really need to get that mat ordered before it goes out of stock. I want to get that mat so I can have it. So when we play it, I can roll out that neoprene mat. It's easy. I love my neoprene mats. Shopportalgames.com. Five-minute initiative begins in three two one tony i don't think you and I, you or i has ever played the very popular bag pulling game called orleans right that is correct or i have not yes, i've no. always wanted to people say it's a great game the game we're getting ready to talk about is joan of arc orleans draw and write so i'll just say by out of the box we cannot compare the two games together mm -hmm. So we're just going to talk about this strictly from our enjoyment of Orleans and the style of draw and write. Now, it's called draw and write, not because you're drawing something on a piece of paper. 
it's because you're going to have these tokens in a bag and you're going to be drawing out uh, tokens at the beginning of the game based on the number of players. And those tokens, you're going to go around the table and each one's going to grab one and take an action based on the token that you take. Each of us has a sheet of paper. And Tony, like in typical roll and write fashion, right? You're going to, each of these tokens can do a particular function on the page. You're trying to build some combos, generate points to win the game. You are the roll and write expert here. So I'm going to jump it straight to you and just what did you think about Joan of Arc Orleans draw and write? So it, like you just said, perfectly, it is how do you gain those combos? Where do you need the combos and how can you enhance that token that you pull out? What did I think? It's your typical draw and write, roll and write. If you enjoyed the Joan of Orleans game, then this might be right there for you. Did it add anything from this genre? Maybe not so much, but I think a lot more plays of getting the combos and figuring out what is best. I enjoyed playing it. I do want to understand those buildings and you, you'll talk about the buildings a little bit because I think one action that you get where you get to mark off is the buildings that will enhance the, the um, token that you pull. And I think if you don't get enough of those, that your chances of winning are limited. And I, that, to me, was my only concern with this game. Other than that, I enjoyed it. <laughs> you say that, but I came in dead last, and y'all thought I had the best building. So I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily those buildings. So one of the actions you can do is, is buy a building. And one of the actions you could do is you have a map, and you're trying to trace uh, paths, either through a pathway or a waterway, from Orleans out to different uh, cities. And then you have markets that you can build in certain cities. You go along. There's one token lets you uh, get things in a warehouse. As you fill in the warehouse, you generate more points. But one thing that I'm going to ask you if this felt different to you. Lots of times, rolling rights or drawing rights, etc. feel like a solitaire game where you're just kind of doing your own thing. There is something that's a little bit different here. If somebody built a building, nobody else could build it. In some of the places on your sheet... Uh, if you unlocked certain actions like getting a monk, a monk was like a wild card action. Mm-hmm. If somebody claimed a monk on certain spots on the sheet, nobody else can claim it. So in some cases, it was a race to try and get those certain uh, things. And I found myself looking at y'all's sheets to see, uh-oh, I see Bert's getting ready to go grab that monk. I'm going to grab that spot right now so I can get that monk for myself and keep him from grabbing it. Did that aspect of the game feel different from a, a draw and write of locking people out of th- uh, being able to do things on their own sheet? Absolutely. You needed to see because you wanted to stop them from possibly doing the various location combos that we were just talking about. You don't want them to do that. You need to diversify and you didn't want them to go there. So you're absolutely right. I felt like there was more interaction than the solo version of uh, solo games that you would play like this, where you were just marking your own sheet and not worrying about what everybody else is doing. But anytime you have this drafting mechanism, that should be part of your strategy is what can I do? It may not be optimal for me, but it's not suboptimal, but I need to also have prevent other people from achieving the goal so they don't wipe the floor with us. You know, another thing I like too is the action of drawing things out of a bag because there's a set number of different types of tiles that are put into the bag. And then at the beginning of the round, you're going to pull out a certain amount that's not going to be in the bag that round. So you can count how many tokens are in the bag. So different mm-hmm. from a roll and write where the dice you roll could be anything, anytime, you kind of know, oh crap, there's less of this type of tile in the bag this round. So if it comes up in the draft, I'm going to grab it because I know mm-hmm. there's just less of those in the round. I like that too. It added a little bit more depth and strategy. Yes. 
Well, and I will say there was the um, fill one beneficial deed follower circle up at the top of the sheet. And if you're not looking at the sheet, people won't like, oh, what are you talking about? If you pull a token and you just don't want to take the basic action and you have not completed with these beneficial deeds, then you get a more powerful action with that token. And then if you complete a certain area, then you'll get a special reward for it, like a monk being a, which is the wild card. So I think, you know, I enjoyed that fact that, oh man, I got stuck with the person who would normally just take a good in the warehouse. Oh wait, if I go to this beneficial deed, they get to do a warehouse and maybe a travel action. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very important as well. I like how they did that so that even if you are stuck, you're not really stuck. You just got to be careful of when to use these and don't use them all up. Yeah. I also like too, is that the first player changes each round and the tokens you draw the bag is number of players plus one. As the first player, you always get the last token, so you get to do two actions per turn. So, uh, and it's gonna it's gonna work out to where everybody gets the same number of being uh, first player, uh, just cause the way the the tokens are distributed in the bag, and you play over a certain number of rounds based on the number of players. So, I, I was never a big fan of rolling rights, but some of these really clever games like this one, uh, the pinchback riddle games that have been coming out, adding a little bit more depth these style games have made me more intrigued and what draws me to this one is there is more player interaction than i've seen in other of these style of games and i like the deterministic of drawing tokens out of bag of knowing because you can count of what's left in that bag so you can mm-hmm. kind of plan ahead yeah and probably my biggest nit of the mm-hmm. pick what it is the fact that the icons on the sheet, they were kind of hard to read because it, yes. it is so small. I mean, in some other games, they would do two pads to expand it out to make it easier. I understand cost, all that good stuff. But that is the one thing where the readers were on constantly. Oh, I got to take the readers off because here's the token. But now I got to look at my board and see exactly what it is. Yeah. But it was very well laid out. I do. I do get that because you're right. Because some of the tokens on the sheet, they had the characters were too hard to see. So you kind of look at the colors of the background because the tokens are different colors. It was harder to see. Uh, One thing about variability I really do like. Uh, the sheet has a section of the buildings that you can buy and they progressively get more expensive over the course of the game uh, or, or the different uh, levels of buildings. Those can be randomized every game. You have a whole set of location cards that can be mm. put out in the middle of the table. So the way the the market for the actual buildings is laid out can change every single game, which adds some good variability also. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part is when you're traveling, you got these various towns that you're visiting. First person to visit there or um, take the action to visit the town or proper the or get town. the market, S- establish a market in the town, yeah. establish a market. No one else can do it. So if you're building a road or a seed route to there and then suddenly Marty takes that, then I'm, I've wasted my time. Good news is I didn't lose so much because during those items, I got goods that I can then put on my sheet that can help me accomplish other things. As you travel, you you get things as you travel on a pathway. But again, that's one of those things you're looking. I was doing that too. I was seeing what paths you were going on the maps and I was taking a different direction so that you wouldn't grab one that I was getting ready to take. Yes. Enjoyed playing it. I like where this is. I like the simplicity of it. Find the combos. I don't think with the location cards that are come out later, this will keep the replayability up of this game. And definitely the interaction is higher than most games. You, wait a minute. You don't think the location cards keeps up? No, no. I, I, did I miss it? The location cards will keep the replayability up. Yes, I agree. Yes. All in all, very good game. But it is a drawing 
pull mark on a sheet, get the most victory points type of game. Yeah, I, it is. I, I agree. It plays in a three-player. We play like 30 to 40 minutes. It's a fast-moving game. Mm-hmm. Might be a little bit of AP uh, when you're looking at what's the best effect. Because when you take one of the tokens, like you said, it could be used in multiple places on the sheet. And because you are interacting with others, you may spend more time looking what other people are doing. So there might be a chance of the downtime. But again, I like this because it is a little more heady. And it really does make me want to get the actual game of Orleans and try it out. So maybe we need to throw that on uh, a list to play sometime and play an old game and see if it's uh, still good for us. That is Joan of Arc Orleans Draw and Write from designers Ryan Hendrickson and Reiner Stockhauser from Capstone Games. Five-minute initiative is complete. Tony, you remember last year when we went to Gen Con and we got to go behind the curtain at Chip Theory Games and see some cool stuff they were working on, and we were blown away, blown away by a particular game that we saw called Hoplomachus Victorum, a solo game uh, from them when it was coming out last year. I thought they were going to kick our butts when they took us behind the curtain. I just thought, you know, <laughs> you, you know gentlemen, you, yeah. could you step behind the curtain, please? Wait a yeah. minute, what? What? Huh? See, what, you know, at work, when someone would get in trouble on shift, we would take them behind the map board, which was in a big area that was secluded and all the machines would run and you couldn't hear. Oh, is that like, it's like taken out behind the woodshed? Yeah. Same sort of thing? Yes. So, okay. Yeah. We'd like to invite you behind the curtain and we're going to demonstrate to you what it means to be playing Victorium. <laughs> Wait, yeah. I'm a gladiator. I'm fighting. What? What? Hey, this is a legit dice and gladiator game. That's right. And they are in multiple arenas. Uh, yes, they are. So you've got your gladiators in arenas game right here. That's right. A Hoplomachus Victorimus from Chip Theory Games. It is a solo game designed by Joss Carlson, Adam Carlson, and Logan G. Anony. Okay, number one, let's just go ahead and put this part to bed. Like every chip theory game, the production is absolutely positively through the roof. It's ridiculous. Chip theory games has the two components that I love most in board games. Neoprene mats mm-hmm. and poker chips. Heavy clay poker chips. Big yes. hawking. That, that give you that sense of when you're moving a stack of chips, you're like, oh, there's some heft behind this. And, and it actually and it actually was part of the game as well. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, because there's actually different thickness of these poker chips based on the type of people that you're playing. So here's what I love. Uh, when I first saw this, okay, I'm just going to be doing a, a lot of battling and stuff. And we got the game. And I started playing through it. Now, number one, there, there's a little bit of a learning curve, Tony, especially in the setup. Mm-hmm. Getting everything out on the table and getting it all set up. And we could talk about how some of that works. But generally, here's the story is that you are a hero that is going on a journey in order to take on uh, different heroes in different regions with the ultimate goal of going up against one of Pluto's scions. Mm -hmm. The heroes that you go up against are random. The hero that you pick can be anybody you want. And the big boss at the end is also random. But you're basically going on four 12-week journeys from location to location where you're going to be competing against other uh, gladiators and heroes in order to either uh, recruit more people into your party, 
or get additional skills, level up your stats with the whole goal of being able to boost up and build your level up enough mm-hmm. to when you get to the big baddie, you have a chance to take them out. And one of the important parts is, and I want people to understand this, is that there is randomness in the game. It's not as simple with the dice. With the dice. Mm-hmm. But the dice, as you level them up, get better. Combat is really straightforward. Mm-hmm. You just roll dice, count the number of hits, and that's how much damage you're going to do to another person. If you play their other games, the amount of health that a character has is based upon the number of uh, poker chips that's basically underneath them, and that's what measures the health. Take a damage, remove a chip. This is the exact same way. But the base die that you may start out with only has one hit per side. But you can keep leveling up and getting more dice to where maybe there's five hits per side, mm-hmm. thus increasing your odds over the course of the game. And Tony, I thought that was one of the really interesting decisions that you have to make is when you level up, you can add an additional die, mm-hmm. but you start out with the lowest or take one of your existing die and upgrade it. Right. And the various heroes, like uh, I, I said, you know what? I'm a gamer. I got this. So I'm not going to start out with their uh, initial hero. Uh oh. That's right. I took on Knox. And she had one die. Oh, and it was a and it was the um, charcoal die, which had five hits. Okay, okay, yes, the black one or right. whatever. Yeah, but I did play on easy level, not I medium, did too. medium or hard. So that gave you some advantages of additional hit points, adding a die, so forth. Additional so. blessings too. Which, blessings, yeah. A blessing you could spend when you die, you can res. Yes, and um, I I was going to need those, but before I had to put the game away so that we can record because I didn't make it to the end of this campaign, it's it's not something you can do, Marty, in my opinion, where you sit down and play. You could play it through the night, but I would get, I'd get, I'd get worn out. So here's what I did. Gosh, each act for me took two to three hours per act. This game probably will take eight to 12 hours to play through an entire session before mm-hmm. you reset and, and start another journey. So yeah, I was getting in two to three hours per act. And what I would do, I wouldn't even play an entire act in one night. I would sit down, play, get to a point and stop and just keep coming back to it till I eventually work myself through the game to see how the big bad uh, worked and everything. So many hours invested in playing and there is a little bit of a learning curve of going through a turn structure and how a turn works. But once I got going, I was moving pretty quickly. Honestly, the only thing I was getting stuck on was abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the different uh, cards, your cards and everything had certain abilities, but they have a nice reference sheet uh, to be able to look up what those abilities do. Yes. Now, it's important to note that um, as you're playing the game, and, and Marty's absolutely right, you are exploring this world. Beautiful map. We've already discussed that, that, that you're moving a marker along and you are encountering various events as you travel throughout the world to eventually reach your ultimate goal. And I looked at it as I'm a hero, a demigod, and I am here to save everyone. Mm -hmm. But in order to get there, I've got to show my worth and I've got to be able to recruit others into my fold, not just the basic neutrals. I got to bring other people with me. I was like, okay, let's go, let's go to a bloodbath. Let's really go all Spartan on this. So there's three types of events. There is the bloodbath. Bloodshed. Bloodshed. I'm sorry, bloodshed. It was a bloodbath when I played it. <laughs> there was no shedding. It was a complete bath. It was a bath. It wasn't a shower. It was you were a, submerged in it, blood. It was ugly. Then there's the sporting events. Mm-hmm. And then there's opportunities. Mm-hmm. The bloodshed is one where you are basically just going in an arena, eliminate, you've won that event. But it will take its toll on your people. 
Yes, 100%. So yeah, go in there. You you put together a, a party mm-hmm. and there's uh, three decks of cards that you're going to be drawing cards from. One's an opportunity deck, one's a sporting event deck, and the other's the bloodshed. When you pull that card, there may be certain events that happen during this particular event. It'll tell you how many of the enemies you deploy, how many of your people in your party you get to deploy, and uh, battle to the end. But what's interesting, too, is there's an additional rule of where you are. So each of these locations in the world, and there's eight of them, has a special arena, a special mat, basically, that you have in play. And each arena has its own special rules. And those rules come into play, which adds so much variability to this game, depending on the event that you're taking, who you're going up against, mm-hmm. and the actual arena that you're playing in. You got that one going on. You, you talked about the cards. Let's just say I wanted to do a sporting event. There are various sporting events. There's King of the Hill. There's Capture the Flag. There is more variability from that standpoint. And based on the event that's before you for the sporting event, you can say, okay, this is what I will be doing. Now, on these cards, Marty, and you mentioned how this works, how you build out your team and also how the rival builds out its team. Correct, yeah. This was, I thought, pretty ingenious on how this worked because the rival... It lays it out for you. Here's who you're battling against. Oh, and by the way, your team also has this tactics. And, and this is another thing that you have to put in, like the ability to do special powers. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty darn cool. So we had the blood bloodbath. I'm sorry. I know it's not bloodbath. but Bloodshed. Bloodshed. Sporting event and opportunities. Now, this is what I kind of screwed up on. Okay. I, I should have been, should have taken more advantage of the opportunities. Yeah, so you draw two cards with an opportunity, and you're going to put one in, in your camp on your major. So you got a big mat that you're kind of tracking everything on, and then little smaller mats that go in the middle that represents your arena. Opportunities are basically, here's a goal. Here's a quest. Mm-hmm. You meet this quest, you get something. You get a bonus. You get an extra skill or something like that uh, that you can uh, take along with you. So I usually had several of those in the queue, and would try to work on those as I play through the game. All right. But let's say you're, you're getting ready to go into an event, into, uh, say, a sporting event, but you don't like that card. Mm. But I really need to move through that land. But I really don't want to play King of the Hill. What do I do? This is interesting, too. Most games, you know, you have a face-down deck. The deck mm-hmm. is you get to see the top of your deck. So you know exactly the next event and the conditions that you're going to be doing. And so if you, like you said, if you see something you don't like, then you spectate, mm-hmm. you say, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to watch. If they want to go kill themselves, let them go kill themselves. If they want to go play King of the Hill, you go do that. And there are certain advantages to spectating that will help One you. One is heal up. One's, yeah, I needed to do that. <laughs> yeah. One is heal up. Mm. One thing with the spectators, several things for you. If you're in a, at a location and you don't like the event that's coming up, when you spectate, you can discard the current event card, draw three cards, reorder them, and put them back in the deck. Mm-hmm. But you have to raise what you called your scion influence of the act that you're in. Every fourth increment of that influence, you have to draw a bane, a hidden bane that could either be something that you put into your camp that's on, something that's ongoing bad against you. Maybe it's an extra baddie that you get to have to put in the draw bag when you're pulling out rivals. Or it's something that will affect... Uh, the rivals, for example, uh, I had to take a Bane and put it into my bag. If I drew the Bane when I was filling out my rival team, it would say, oh, by the way, guess what you get to do? Double the health of the first rival in the party. Ooh, that was a bad one. 
And I drew that a couple times. And that could be very well. I mean, these aren't your basic neutral guys because every arena has a special faction that you're going against. Very thematic too. When you go into a locations arena, typically one of the rival members is somebody from the local area. And you have this nice, super nice place on the table to hold all your chips of each of the uh, locations plus the cards. So you're going to pull the top chip from the current location. That's the local hero that you have to go up against. And then it'll probably make you draw blind out of a bag that's actually going to be changing over the course of the game because the local hero that you just fought against at the end of the event goes into that bag. Yeah, that was disappointing. But with a sporting event, if you uh, win either the capture of the flag, king of the hill, the third one you didn't mention was the sparring event where you have to defeat everybody else except the main guy, the tribune, which is the local hero. I'll explain why that is a big deal in a second. You can recruit one of the people from the team to come over to your side and come into your party. Mm -hmm. Now, you only have a limited number in your party, but guess what? Over the course of the game, you can increase the size of your party. Or what you can do is, we talked about those tactics chips, mm -hmm. uh, which are actually little poker chips. If you win in one of those sporting events, you can also uh, get a new tactics chip too, which are extremely useful. Yeah. The Tribune, why, why I pointed that one out, thematically is, if you beat the local hero, basically you just embarrassed him, and he's not happy about that. And as a result, your health drops down to one. <laughs> so that's the cool, that's the interesting thing. I didn't want to beat the local guy, but I had to deal mm -hmm. with everybody else. But usually the local guy was the strongest. I mean, there's a lot going on here, but for, for the easy side of it, I mean, it's really travel phase. Moves the marker to decide which event you're on and you are on a path that it will be determined to go to the various areas. And there's harbors and all this other stuff that you can reference in the rules. Then you have your event phase, and we just went over that. It's either going to be a sporting event, an opportunity, or spectate, and then you go into a cleanup phase. Rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. So once you get down the main concepts of the battle, the game just flows. It really does flow. Also in the cleanup phase is where you mark off one week uh, on, your, on your board. The reason why is you only have 12 weeks to get to uh, your first primus and fight against them. So you have to look and say, okay, well, this first random primus I drew is over on this island, so I need to uh, plan a path to where I can get over there by the 12th week and have my big fight against them. Mm -hmm. After you fight them, you start the next act, reset your weeks, then you have 12 weeks to get to your next location. At the end of the fourth act is when you fight the big bad. As your famous building across the region, people were going to want to come and kick your butt. Mm. And so as you set up these events, it's important to note at the end of each or at the end of act two, act three and act four, you will maybe adding additional people to the battle or they may deploy additional units during the turn. So the game will ramp up just because you're getting stronger. It's not like going, hey, I'm a level 80 character and I go into a level five area and I can just wipe the board. Oh, good analogy. Thank I like you. that. You like that? You can tell I've been playing too much Guild Wars. Um <laughs> So it's going, the game is going to ramp up with you, not only with the dice as you're ramping up. So it keeps that balance in check. But I will admit, even though I got decimated and that was just poor game management on my side, I never felt like I was being overwhelmed. I don't know if that, cheated against, you know, mm -hmm. where the game was cheating against me. I will say probably uh, as far as things that got to me was 
learning how the AI operates in battle mm. takes a little bit of time to understand. Each arena will actually have rules that will tell you when you activate a rival unit who they should target. Yes. Keeping that straight is interesting. And here's the thing. What's interesting is you get to decide, and I thought this was weird. I'm used to playing Arkham Har, and the rules of Arkham Har says when there is a choice to be made, you must pick the choice that is worst for you. That is not the case in this game. You actually can pick the choice that's best for you, which is kind of odd. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I would sometimes use my tank to kite enemies to protect my leader so I could get the job done. But if I was playing against a real person, they probably wouldn't do that. No, I guess that's kind of fair because basically you were using the taunt ability. Uh, yes, yes, I was. But I'm just saying know, sometimes yeah. decisions I would make for the AI, I know tactically wouldn't be the best decision to make from the AI's point of view. Mm -hmm. Well, they wanted to give you a chance. They did. And that's actually some people said that they actually appreciate that, that that's part of the game is to set itself up to where the AI, you can make decisions for the AI that isn't as brutal to you. But this still is a brutal game regardless. Mm -hmm. But my, my whole point was, it takes a little bit of understanding how each arena operates and how the rival units will act on their turn. And then as far as the tactics chip go in the rival, you have to use them if they are available. So, and there's a whole chart on how you have to deal with that. The game is well laid out. The rule book is well laid out. For me, I think it's a game. If you enjoy solo games and you enjoy the chip theory, con, the moving the chips around and the arena battling and things like this, Roman bones, you know, those types of games, uh, Cloudspire, you know, if you yeah. enjoyed those games, definitely give this a look. And I, I know you got some other thoughts on this, but something you said to me that I think is very important. This is their way of testing out, and it may be wrong, completely wrong here, their release of the Skyrim. Elder Scrolls, yep. Elder Scrolls, sorry. That's coming out on uh, some sort of crowdfunding platform mm -hmm. soon, right? I'm not a huge solo gamer. I never have. I, it's just... I would rather sit there and play with other people. But I got emerged in this game. I was lost in time. I was like, crap, I spent an hour sitting here doing this. So I really did enjoy my time with this. But what got me excited was the character progression of, uh, of how I would upgrade dice and get additional skills and help my party out. And the whole story and the journey and the questing just made me hit, hit me. It's like, holy crap, if they take some of this over to Elder Scrolls, could be absolutely freaking amazing because it's going to be a co-op game. So it's taking these same things, but then I get to play with people. Yes, I agree. I mean, I enjoyed the dungeon crawl. I'm, I'm curious how, you know, their other games will roll in this and then how they've refined the mechanics through here. Cause I can think of this. It would be a very simple way for, to manage the dungeon crawl in Skyrim. I'm looking forward to that one. But for this, you're right. If I wanted to sit down and play a solo game and based on, cause I've been collecting a lot of solo games. Yeah. Other than the setup, this would definitely come off the shelf. And you can leave it set up, uh, which is nice. Now, they do have a save state. And, mm -hmm. and the rules, they actually say, okay, you've played for three hours and you want to save the game. Put this here, put this here, put this here, put it back in the box. And when you pull it back out of the box, it's set up and ready to go sort of deal. Now, the next thing, Tony, that we should get to the table is Hoplomachtus uh, Remastered, which is a PvP which I have Ooh. a feeling the combat's going to be exactly as we've just seen with a lot of the same skills, except you're going head to head against, uh, against other people. Okay. 
We can do that. And just use the same nice mats, nice uh, poker chips, except now you're just going head to head. Now, you said as a, if you're a solo game, you really like this. I will say this this is pricey. This is, this is $150. This is only solo. Mm-hmm. So you need to decide is if, man, if you're a hardcore solo gamer uh, and you think, think you can get the hours into this, maybe you want to invest the 150 But if you don't think so, then pause. This is, this is a heavy investment. I wouldn't just go drop 150 hoping that you'll like it. I would watch some videos mm-hmm. of people playing it, listen to other people that are more intelligent than us, give you their thoughts on the game, and then make an a educated decision from there. Or maybe go to a con and see if you can demo it. Mm-hmm. So I agree. That's a that's a big sticking point. The hundred and fifty, especially for me, Mister Old Tight Wallet here. But just thinking of the term replayability, all the heroes, right? Oh yeah, eight as eight, eight, eight uh, different. Each, I think there's eight. Each region has a hero. Yeah, just can't count it in the back of the book. When I think of this as a role playing game, and, and a video role playing game, here I am with a character slot. And I am, oh, I'm going to bring him through the various phases because I've bought the game, let's say. I can then say, oh, let's see how good he is. He's going to go battle all the Scions or something like that, you know, just for the fun of it. Or, mm, or, yeah. or you can say, okay, now I'm going to take this other hero that I didn't play with and I'm going to bring them up. Then, of course, there's three levels of difficulty that are out there for you to give to start at. There's a lot of game here that you will be getting for $150. Now, a lot of it's obviously the production. I mean, again, the production is is stupid good. One thing I didn't I'll just touch on because it just hit me. One thing about all these different units, they all are uh, your typical classes that you see mm-hmm. in games. There's a ranger. There's a tank. There's a, there's a melee. Each of those may have different skills and abilities, and that's where that really nice reference sheet comes in. So as you draft... Uh, uh, you know, additional uh, people to come onto your team. Maybe you realize, oh, I need a range guy. Oh, this one has, can has, shoot two spaces away. Oh, this one can move three spaces. Oh, this has a lot of health. All the units are extremely varied so that you can build your team out like in a typical video game RPG. I need a range guy. I need a heal. I didn't see a healer. No. Uh, there, might be, uh, there might be one in there. Well, there's some tactics that allow you to heal. Yeah. But anyway, I need a range guy, and I need a melee guy, and I need a tank sort of deal, and I need this ability, and I want that ability. So you can build your team out like that. I do think this is a good analogy to a video game RPG. I, I think they captured that, which makes me even more excited for Skyrim that they're coming out with. So one thing I was I'm flipping through the rule book here, and one thing I did not come across I didn't see line of sight rules. I never really worried about it. There was definitely some movement rules. You can't move through these units and stuff like that. Yeah. But the the line of sight uh, really wasn't that bad about so who could shoot through, who you couldn't shoot through and everything. Yeah, because I was sitting here thinking my, my archer, you know, my archer sitting there with a bow and my heroes in front of him, duck, ding, you know. Yeah, which you can do. Mm-hmm. And they, they have concept of elevations. I don't know if you got to some of the arenas. Some of the arenas had a platform that you were on, and if they were on the platform, they got an additional die that they could use to roll against people that were below them. Well, of course, they're they got high terrain. That yeah. makes that makes perfect sense. And I've I got the high ground. I got high I've ground. Got the higher, I've got the higher ground. Is that what he said? Yeah. And it's there's one thing that said um, one has a, a trident, and, uh-huh. and you pick up the trident. You you was you were facing the trident. It would do additional damage. Once again, lots of gameplay modes. Yes. And each, 
Eero also has a set of skill cards that over the course of the game that you can earn. And when you can't, when you do that, you can look through them and pick one that you want and then specialize your hero. I tell you, the more I talk about it, the more I get excited for not only this game, I, I'm almost ready to get it back from you and 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 start playing through it again because uh, I just had such a good time with it. But it does get me super excited about character progression in Skyrim too. And it will be coming back to you. First off, I need to get, I, I don't have the setup room that you do. So mm-hmm. I'll let you set it up and, and have fun with it and continue your, and maybe if you ever get tired of it, it'll show back up. But it's also a good exercise. The box is very heavy. Pick up with your legs. Do not do it with your back. So, yes, back to just wrapping this thing up. Let's, let's, up, let's yeah. wrap it up here. If you like solo games, you're okay with the price point. Understanding that there's, there's a learning curve, but once you get over that initial hump, it's going to flow very quickly. Look into this game, chip theory. And also you can integrate... The one Marty just talked about, remastered. It can also be integrated. Yeah, so for me, again, y'all, I'm, I am not a solo gamer. I rarely, if ever, will sit down and just pull a solo game off the shelf and play it. It's just not my style. But I got lost in this game. And Vanessa can tell you, I just sit over there for, you know, so one time I sat there like two hours just, just playing because it moves so fast. And it's like, oh, man... I need to stop, but man, if I just go to this location over here and it's the sporting event, ooh, I could re- possibly recruit that guy. That guy would be good. You know, you start going through all these things and you want to do it. And the battles are quick. They're really fast. You don't really get bogged down in the battles. No, I mean, it's, it's a bloodbath. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bloodbath. So, yeah, so that's it. Uh, Hoplomachus Victorum. It is out right now from uh, Chip Theory Games. I'm interested in getting the remastered version on the table to play PVP. And you could be for darn sure. Tony and I already talked on offline. We are all in on the Skyrim campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like all the stretches, all the extras, all the bonuses. I want it all because I think a co-op game of this quality and play style is just going to be right up our alley. Oh, completely agree. Um, the wallet will be opened. Over here in the U.S., we are right in the middle of the NCAA basketball tournament, or what we call here is March Madness. What are you shaking your head for over there? Don't care. What, you didn't join our uh, pool on the Discord channel? No, I don't care. I don't, I've given up on it. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Berkey over at Game Toppers has not given up on it because until March 31st, he has 15% off on all accessories and premium game mats. Tony, I think I heard in another commercial spot somewhere, you like game mats, right? So I love game mats. Yeah, so you might want to check out his really special neoprene game mats that are stitched on the end. They will not roll up on you. He has holders for the game mats so that you can store your nice game mats, plus accessories for the game tables and game bags. And you got 15% off on all that right now over at GameToppersLLC.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. So we got to play a card game sent to us by Ashat Board Games. And this is from developer, sorry, we are French, one of Marty's favorite developers just because of the name. Just because I'm sorry. 
<laughs> so <laughs> quick side note, somebody in our Discord channel says they cannot read the name ah, shit. without thinking of the clip that we play of Danny saying it now. So that's become famous too on the show. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much fun. Anyway, back to the game. The game is Gashu X, which is based on Gashu and Gashu Tactics by Kim Sato. And I already said a developer. Sorry, we are French. This is a card game, two-player card game, where you are going out there trying to battle one another. And the first person to um, win two battles is the winner. Uh, except I do like this, that yeah. it is not just battling. There actually are a couple of the win conditions that we'll talk mm -hmm. about in a second. That's one thing that drew me to this. And I also want to highlight this too. The thing that caught my eye about this game, two-player card games, yes, we love. The art is absolutely amazing. amazing. And when I saw it, it's like, I don't know what this is, but I want to play it. So the art's by David Sitvon. Amazing job. It will immediately draw you in just the art itself. Then beyond that, we got to play what I think is it the standard two-player card game. And I think that's what we want to get across is, it, oh, it's, it's another two-player PVP card game, but how is it different? And I think, Tony, that's what we want to highlight some of the differences mm -hmm. in this game between some other games. First off, you get to choose... You get to draft your clans. There's smash eight clans up in, style, right? Yeah, smash them up. <laughs> it's the smash up style. You have eight clans, and then you're going to draft. Each of you are going to end up drafting three clans that you shuffle together, and that's your deck for the game. Right. And you're in the clans, there are eight troops, five heroes, and two immortals. Mm -hmm. And these are based on levels. So as you are putting out your army, you have to put your troops in level one, then you have your heroes in level two and your immortals in level three, and you have to build them up. And one of the most unique mechanics of this that I really enjoyed is that in order to do this, you have to have someone supporting the a card below supporting the one above. I really like that. It was very strategic for me to make sure that as I'm laying out these cards that I am building it in a certain order that because some of my cards played on the fact that, hey, if this card's in this location, you need to be aware of it. I like that mechanic. I liked how they did this. I hadn't encountered that. Have you? I, I have not. And physically what you're doing is, is you're going to have three rows of cards. The first row can be uh, five wide and the level one troops can only go there. The next row can be five wide. Level two heroes can only go there mm -hmm. and then the level three the immortals can only go on that third but for you to play a level two hero there needs to be a faction matching that in the troop row for to play mm -hmm. a, a immortal there needs to be a level two hero of the same faction in that row that mm -hmm. is really cool so you have to think all right i got a really cool immortal so i need to make sure i have a level one and level two in place so i can play it and in order to play these heroes and play these cards you got to have the factions. You also need to discard cards. That's your resources. Cards in your hands are your resources to be able to play cards. So you strategically have to look at how your hand is in order to be able to say, okay, how do I want to build the army? Well, well, well. That's only for the first time that you play a faction that's not already on the table. If true. You, if you play a troop and that faction's not already in that row, you have to discard two cards. Then after that, you no longer have to discard cards because that faction's already represented. Unless, I love this. This is one thing I think that's uh, different is there's actually a rule breaker to this rule because what you have is on some of the cards, you have what's called a shift cost. If there's a level two card in play, and let's say it has a shift cost of two, 
you can pay discard two cards from your hand to play a different level two card from your hand in place of that one. So discard it and play this one instead. And that can break the rule of requiring that same faction to be in play. So if I have a level two that I don't have a supporting level one and I have another level two in play, pay, play the shift cost of the level two card and put this other card in play in its place. So that's how you can start to get different cards on the table. Yes, and that's I, that was the one mechanism I was not grasping very well. When I play it again, I will be using that. Oh, I was I was using it extensively because I couldn't get mad. I can't get the level one. Well, I'm going to sacrifice this this guy to get this into play. What you're doing is you're going back and forth, uh, taking turns. You're playing cards. You have a couple activation tokens because some of these cards have activation abilities, where you can spend an activation token on a card to take a special ability on a card. Some of these may allow you to, ah, geez, uh, if, I, if I spend a couple of these, maybe you can get an extra activation token. And if you ever collect five activation tokens, that's another way to win the game. Mm-hmm. And you're going to actually keep going back and forth till both of you pass consecutive or pat till one person passes. Tony, I like this. When one person passes, the other person only gets three actions they can take. And that kind of is limiting because you did that to me a couple times where you forced me to only be able to take three more turns. And then after that, there's going to be a big battle where each of us are going to add the strength of all the cards on the table. Whoever has the most strength gets a battle token, and then we reset and go again. And one of the ways to win is to get two battle tokens. I still lost. I don't care what I did. I lost. (laughs) And the third way is to actually get 15 cards out on the table that are face up. And if you do that, you immediately win the game. And I say face up because one of the clever things you can do is capture people's cards. When they're captured, they flip face down. When they're face down, they no longer can use the abilities of the cards. They can no longer, uh, they no longer add to the strength in battles. So you've got all these ways to not only manipulate your side of the board, but manipulate the other side of the board too. And Tony, all eight factions are totally different in how they play. So, Strategy at the beginning of the game is drafting three that work well together. But the cleanup mechanism is also very, very big. At the end of the round, the Song of the Dead, when it plays, you have to remove. First off, you have to release captured cards without triggering any effects. Release them means turn them back face up. Face up, sorry. The player who won the great battle sacrifices half of their cards in the play, round it up, and then the next player who lost the great battle does the same. And in order to release these cards, they must be open, meaning they cannot have a card. They, they, I'm sorry, they must have no card to their right, nor can they have a card above them. They have to be open. And placement in the tableau is very key for this. You may have played somebody at the end of the round that was huge, big, but when the great song of the dead shows up after the great battle, you're going to lose them. And mm-hmm. that sucks. Yep. But it is your choice. How you build, how you open up cards, that's very important. Yep. So placement of the cards um, is extremely important. Between those things, the three different ways to win, uh, the way that you actually lay out your cards on the table, to me, it is different enough to where I think this will actually stay on my shelf. It plays oh, quick. It should. Plays quick, 30 minutes. It's going to be a different game every time you play because you draft three different Factions playing against a totally different different factions. Oh, I didn't mention this. This is cool. The two factions that aren't chosen, 
they have they have tiles and you flip them over and what it does is it affects the the table or game for the entire game I know we're running long on this five minutes, but I do want to bring up something else. It's a card game, so you got a glossary of terms. But the design of these cards is great. Certain terms will have certain colors, which you can then link. I mean, that little things like that, Marty, really make a card game shine. Like Force of Will is on a card. You can find it easy because it's red on other cards. And then it's also in the glossary terms is red. And I had a card that said Force of Will. But when you're drafting, you can see the various strengths of the decks and they show you what terms are all in there. Very well designed, very easy to understand, but you do have to look up these terms. But it's a card game. It's going to happen. That was going to be my thing too, is there are a lot of terms in the glossary. There's a lot of abilities and you will constantly be looking. I know I was. Even if I'd use it multiple times, I keep going back to the glossary and reading those and then as you play different factions, you're going to run across terms that you haven't seen yet. Keep the glossary handy for a while because you're going to constantly be looking up how these abilities work because they aren't written on the cards themselves. The most amount of rounds that this game could even go is three rounds, right? Mm -hmm. That's the most that could be played. The shortest could be two if somebody wins two battles in a row or unless somebody is able to win from the other win conditions. Uh, I do like the activation tokens. Oh, the activation tokens can also give you additional cards. On your turn, you can spend an activation token to draw a card or spend two to draw three cards. So they can also be used not only to activate abilities on cards, but get additional cards into your hand. So if you do not have enough two-player card games in your library, recommend this one. This one this one is fun. The artwork's amazing. It's quick. It's easy to play. And then tear it down. No, no, no issues there. So it's a fun game. Gushu X. And that is for, um, sorry, we are French. Brought to you by Ashat Board Games. Five minute initiative is complete. Ahoy, Captain! <laughs> I mean, we had to do it once. We had to do the arg at least once, right? Because we're going to be and talking. It's not Pirates Day. You know? yeah, it's not Pirates Day, but we did play. Um, a game from Leader Games called Ahoy, from designed by Greg Loring Albright. And this is not in the world of Root, uh, but the characters and design and everything uh, do uh, look the same as what you're going to see in the classic Root. But Tony, when I play a Leader game, I'll magically think, okay, oh boy. So uh, we're going to be playing a game. The factions are probably going to be all different. And it's going to be really hard to learn and really long to play. But only one of those three things are true. There are different factions in the game, but it was not hard to learn. And it was not a long play. No, it was not. It was uh, one of the probably faster games. When I started reading the rule books and watching the video on this, I'm like, okay, this is not your typical uh, leader game from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this shouldn't be too bad to get to the table. shouldn't be too bad to have to explain it to everyone, the various factions and their various abilities. And I appreciate y'all looking ahead before we got mm -hmm. there, but we didn't pick factions, which was wrong. We should have picked factions before we showed up just so everybody could concentrate on that. And what you mean, uh, the idea is if we pick factions beforehand, you kind of learn what the different abilities yeah. do before you sat down and, and, and played it. But they aren't so different in that one. Mm -mm. I mean, uh, the factions have a lot of the same things. 
So you only have to look at a couple things that are actually different between the factions. And there's really only three. There's the Bluefin Squadron, Mollusk Union, and then there's two smugglers that operate the exact same way. So I don't want to go into all the various factions, but I think the key components of this is for the Mollusk and the Bluefins, you are trying to gain territorial control of the seas. Area control. Area control. And if you do, you're going to score points based on the areas you control. So you two are going to be trying to jockey for position. Yep. Meanwhile, the smugglers are trying to gain fame in delivering goods throughout the seven seas or eight seas or how many seas we've got here in this world. And when you do, you will gain fame for doing that, but you will make that island, that area more valuable, more prosperous, thus wanting the bluefin and the mollusk to come in and battle it out. So you're trying to drive their battling to leave you alone. So you can go off and smuggle some other stuff. It's a tile laying game. So you're building the map. I like that. So Mm -hmm. there's your replay replayability. As the game is played, you're actually putting out tiles when you explore. So you don't know. Yeah. You have no idea what the map's going to look like, but taking explore allows you to set maybe the map up the way you want so that you can try to exploit that area if you, if you can. And the islands have various icons on them, which is, determines the smugglers uh, where they can deliver the goods, pick them up in one area and deliver them to them. So and the and market deliver. where you can buy stuff, which I like the too. There's a market that when you're on the island, if there's a card in the market that matches the same icon, you could p- potentially buy it and it gives you additional abilities. Right. Those are your crew. You got mm-hmm. you to you get your ship with your crew there. Rolling dice. Yes, that's one thing I like the best about this game. At the beginning of the uh, round, you're going to roll your dice and the values may enable you to do certain abilities on your board. Like some abilities require a certain value dice. Some of them don't require any values, that, uh, particular values at all, which are good. So you don't need them necessarily sell, which is a very common thing is just to mm-hmm. um, uh, move. Um, you do have a currency gold that you can use to manipulate the value of the die. Man, if you really need that five to six, you can spend the gold to spin it up to that and use it that turn. So on your turn, uh, you're going to spend two of those dice taking actions and you're going to continue around the table till everybody has spent uh, uh, their dice. Now the blue fan squadron does have one extra die. So they basically get to go one last time uh, in every round by spending their final one die. All right. And, and some of the key differences, first off, blue fin squadron, they are the heavy gunners. They have strongholds. So they're kind of, they're going to sit turtle, that kind of stuff. So important to know about the Bluefin Squadron. Also, their player board has some more restrictions on it from the standpoint of loading cannons, which is how you fight. If you if, if a player has cannons loaded, you're going to fight. The Mollusk Union, probably one of the big key difference about them is they have these special plans, these cards that they get to draw throughout the game. They give them some abilities, some um, ways to break the rules or to cause chaos on the on the high seas. The smugglers, on the other hand, we've already covered them. Mm-hmm. They're they pretty much they're going to move around the board delivering stuff. One of the mechanisms of this game that I really liked is the tailwind capability. And if you place a die in the tailwind slot, you may port immediately to a tile that matches that die. I like that ability, Marty, because it lets you quickly move around the map, but it also adds key strategies when you're placing the tile. It does because uh, sometimes I would, with that tailwind, I, you and I would be on separate sides of the board and then I'd have to notice, oh crap, Tony can use a tailwind to jump directly to where I am. 
So I need to protect this region. Now I played as the mollusks, and one of the things they have is comrade tokens. A lot mm. of their thing is getting ready comrades to put on the islands because the comrades add strength when counting area control. The more of those you have, the better chance you're going to be able to take control of an area. Whereas you have the strongholds and stuff and the ships that added to your control of taking over a region. So I had the cards and the tokens I was trying to get out on the board. Meanwhile, you were just dropping ships all over the place and you had two cannon loaders on your board while everybody else just had one. I do like how the combat works. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, you can spend a die to load a cannon with any value. If a cannon... Uh, you can. Uh, Bluefin could not. He had to have a five or a oh, six. Oh, he had to have five role. or six. Didn't Thank you. Thank you. So mm -hmm. I could spend anything that I want. So could the smugglers. What's important is when you go into a region and if your cannons are loaded, you will fire against everybody in that region. If you go into a region and your cannons aren't loaded, but somebody else's is, a battle will ensue there. The purpose of the die is the person who has the die can spin that die down any value they want. Let's say they're sitting at six. They can say, I'm going to spin it down to three, which will add three to the roll of their die. Each of you roll off, the higher wins and some damage is dealt, and each one deals damage a little bit differently. Typically, it's taking out a ship or maybe taking out some of my uh, comrades. Or, oh, no. The main thing is probably dealing damage to the actual ship itself where you take these little damage tokens and drop them onto your board covering a space. That means you can't use that space anymore until you take a repair action. The repair action is a special one that can never be damaged, but it wasted an action, wastes a die. Mm -hmm. Or you can go into a port area or uh, the repair slot and you can then repair your ship there. There's special places on the tile, but you're actually having to waste a move how would you get gold to buy crew or to spend the die? You have to, it's on the board somewhere where, so whenever you move, you anchor Marty. If he's at an island, we'll drop comrades. I'll drop patrols as the blue fin. But if I drop where there's a gold token, I pick up that gold. There's wreckage out on the board that can damage your ship. So mm -hmm. you have to value. Okay. If I go through the wreckage, I can get the gold, but I'm going to take damage. That's not going to hurt me because Marty hasn't loaded his cannons yet. Plus, he's on the other side of the board. Oh, wait, he just loaded his cannons and he tailwind over to me. Thank you very much. And I'm now going to be battling in the next thing. Play till someone scores 30. Do your final end scoring. See who wins. This game is one, just like Root, where knowing the various factions, understanding how they're going to be played will help entice the game. It's a give and take. What, what is it? I won't say it's like a tug of, tug of war. Mm. I don't want the smugglers getting too much fame but they need to get fame because I need to have that area control higher or the game would become a slog. So I want to enhance them. Did you, I don't know if you said how yeah. that works. You did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When they, they, they deliver smuggled goods, they increase the die on the tile board, which enhances the, the area. So yes. Yeah. I don't know, Marty. I, it was very challenging at times to, I was conflicted. Wow. Because I didn't want the smugglers to gain fame, but I needed him to gain fame. No, I know. You, you want them, especially in your regions that you control. <laughs> you uh, want to influence them. But here's the thing is, as they drive up the value of regions, that makes you and I fight even harder over those regions because during that score round, you're just going to add up all the dice values of all the regions you control and get that many points. So one thing that is very interesting, too, about talking about this game, this game ramps fast. So mm -hmm. the first round, maybe you score two or three points. And next round, maybe it's four or five. 
Then in future rounds, maybe it's eight or nine. And then all of a sudden you're there at 30 quickly. The game picks up pace as you go because the scoring rounds at the end of your uh, the turns are big. They're big and swingy at that point. So you and I are fighting aggressively over those high value dice region at the end because that would be enough to actually tilt victory one way or another. And it did between you and I because you happened to grab not only one region, but very smartly grabbed another region that was like a two or three value die on me. And that six point swing on that one region alone is what got you ahead of me. So at the very end, you you snagged the victory for me, but Bert ended up running away with it because he was smuggling like crazy and you and I did not go do a good job of keeping him no. in check. And also the smugglers are also vying for who's going to have control in an area. So they're placing cards under tokens. That helps their in-game scoring. And I think that's where it is. When the smugglers have hit a certain value of the region that you want, you want to stop them. Mm -hmm. So you and the mollusk union have to work together while you're also battling one another to get control, but you need to slow down the smugglers and say, okay, you're done. You are not going to deliver any more goods because I don't want you driving up your fame anymore. I don't want you vying for who's going to have control in this area to get those in-game points. So I've got to slow you down. I got to go attack you. Meanwhile, I got to go defend my area and keep the mollusk union or the bluefin squadron from gaining control and taking that away from me. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tug of war. That's what makes it, to me, honestly, one of the better games from leader games that I've played. For me, it's better because Root is a longer game. Mm -hmm. And those, to me, were ones that took a little bit longer to learn how they work. This is a quick setup. It's a quicker play and probably one that I'm going to be able to get to the table way more often than root. I enjoyed uh, Ahoy more than I enjoyed uh, Root. And I, I think Root is daunting to me because of the factions. Root is one of those vested games that you need to play it a lot mm -hmm. to, to keep the factions fresh and know how it is. Nothing against, but I haven't put Root on the table in a while. I haven't. I need to crank it up uh, on the Switch, right? Yep, it's on the Switch. It's on the Switch. And, I, and that's how I would play Root from that standpoint, because it's going to help me with the rules and help me with the reminding of everything. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed Ahoy. I enjoyed the fact that it's only four players and it was that quick. That Those are my two big pluses for this game. It, it's not four player only. You can play with less than that. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It only goes up to four. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And we play a uh, three player and basically you just don't use the uh, smuggler in a uh, three player game. You don't use the other smuggler. But uh, in uh, typical, there would be uh, one of each. Now, I like it. It's there are is some variability between factions, but it's not so crazy that you can't keep up with what other people do. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, look, Tony has bombard, which is what he can use to attack an island and kill my little dudes off the island. Well, that sucks, <laughs> you know. Or Marty has a plan that says, oh, he's going to shift all my patrols around. Yes. Well, I was setting them up to build a stronghold. Oh, thank you. Yeah, see, Appreciate nobody else you. has a, ha a deck of cards where the mollusk does, and at the end you get to draw some additional cards into your hand. So over the course of the game, they've got a big hand of cards that you got to be careful for because they'll use those, or I was trying to use those, to really swing things in my uh, favor towards the end of the game. This is one of those games I honestly couldn't stop thinking about once we were done. Like, mm. I was really wanting to set it up and play it again 
because it was so quick to learn. And now that I understand how all the factions work, I was eager to play a different faction and see mm-hmm. how it plays. So yeah, uh, Ahoy definitely will stay on the shelf as it will get way more playing time than maybe some of the other games uh, by that same company. So I enjoyed it. So that is Ahoy from Leader Games. If you enjoy Root, definitely give this one a shot. Oh boy, Tony, have you seen Everett Manager Market? Daily deals are back. back. It's back, baby. (laughs) Daily deals are back. That and it, people are talking about in our Discord channel because when a daily deal pops up, usually somebody will post it's like, oh man, should I get this game? Is this a good one to get? Which means that you now need to check miniaturemarket.com every day for their daily deal because you never know something might pop up that you might be interested in. It might be a game, or like when I'm looking at it, when we recorded this, it might be, oh, I don't know, 16 along a certain area. They have the talisman additions up and they've got everything from that on sale right now so it's not just a game but yes the daily deals are back so yes i'm over there scrolling waiting for the daily deals to hit and then they had a huge sale recently where a bunch of stuff was on clearance i even saw you know i almost I almost pulled the trigger on seafall legacy it was ten dollars almost bought it and i was like i'll never get this to the table but i just want it but i didn't do it you Didn't just ought to just just for just for Rob Dabio and it's like I got your game but I played it totally differently. It's like that's fine, I don't care. <laughs> yes. I mean right now they've got an eighty percent off sale on certain games. Like I know Glasgow, one of my favorite two player games, mm-hmm. is on sale for twelve dollars. You cannot beat that. Oh my heavens. And then there's Holly Jolly, which we've talked about here. Uh Zombie Side Gear Up. You and I still have not played that one. Blossoms, that's a big game. All these things. Blitzkrieg. We've talked about Blitzkrieg. Cosmic uh, Encounter Duels on sale. I mean, this stuff is like 50% off. Seastead. Marty, we've cared. I mean, if you click on this, you'll see our reviews over at miniaturemarket.com where we've talked about all these games on sale. Doesn't mean they're bad games. Just means they're on sale. That's right. That's exactly right. In fact, I don't know if you realize that, but these product pages, actually, if we've covered the game, you can see our review at the bottom of the product page to find out more and check out their daily deals every day, y'all. Head over to miniaturemarket.com. We've got another episode in the books. Thank goodness, Marty. Before we... Do you realize it is getting close to con season? It is. Uh, con's already going on. Uh, Dice Tower West just happened. It's it's kicking off. And we did Tantrum Con. We've already done a con this year. That's right. We did Tantrum Con. Now, there's one going on. I don't know if you've seen it on David Thompson's uh, tweets or things like that. He is going to some historical con in D.C., Yes. And honestly, if I wasn't doing something that weekend already, I would be very tempted to go. And you ought to plan a work trip around there and go. Okay. Well, I'll be coming back, so I won't be able to be there. Then stay a couple days. It's not a day. It'd be a week and a half. And I'm not about to stay up there with my daughter that long. I I just drive me insane. But maybe next year, if we go ahead and schedule it now, if they're doing, I, I was trying to find out a little bit more about that. It sounds something like you and I would enjoy. It is. It's the first year they're doing it. Uh, I believe uh, Fort Circle Games is the mm-hmm. one that's kind of heading it up. But I don't know if you saw this SD Hist Con, which usually has a big event over in San Diego, is actually doing an event at the Naval Academy in August. Ooh. Up in Rhode Island. Wait a minute. If at the Naval Academy, isn't that Annapolis, Maryland? The, uh, okay, then it's not the Naval Academy. It's a Naval something up in Rhode Island. <laughs> I apologize. Not the Academy. It's a Naval something up in 
Rhode Island because they get to tour the place. They get to tour okay. the facility. Okay. I was going to say. That's, that's part of the weekend event. Yeah. I, I'm just, you know, I, don't, you can challenge my geography all day I'm not, long. No, I'm not. Annapolis is 100% the academy. I said the wrong thing. Okay. I apologize. That's fine. Anyway, point is, uh, uh, San Diego Historical Con is doing an Eastern event in the middle of August uh, up there in Rhode Island, which would be fun too. Yeah. Yes, it would be. I See, 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 we're getting older, man. Now we're going to be those old guys in the corner, like you mentioned on a previous show. <laughs> we got to break that stereotype. I know we ain't helping, uh, but I know a lot of people are getting to these games that are a lot younger. But yeah, we we will not help the look <laughs> at all. I, I know one thing I need to do. I need to shut down the Discord channel when we're recording because I am tired of the notifications coming online. All of, all the people sitting over there talking about their. Cubra Libre thing that's going on and all these other postings of food and everything. I'm like getting all these ding, ding, ding. I'm like, okay, I need to shut this notification thing off. Oh, I turned off notifications long ago. Yeah. I'll just check it. So every so often and then then see what's there. Uh, Something else is coming up is our big award show is going to be our next episode. It's the Squirrelies. It's our something annual eighth or ninth. I think it's our eighth. I don't know. You got eight, you got eighth annual on the document. I said, let's just go to the year. Hopefully it stayed in in the right series. So we got that uh, coming up. Going to have our big awards. The Oscars just happened. And Mm -hmm. uh, the big winner was everything everywhere all at once, which when I saw it last February, I saw said it's one of my probably going to be one of my top movies of the year and it was you're welcome i picked it okay well so donna and i when we first started watching that she got lost so we stopped and i said well, okay we got to give this enough <laughs> we got to give this okay, enough. I, I get that but yeah. it was only in the first nine minutes okay okay and I, yeah. and I looked at her and i said you cannot be doing something else with this movie on no you cannot do that that's just there's no way that will work so she said, fine, I'll give it another chance. And everything was good. But I look over there, she's snoring. Oh, geez. I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll just have to watch it myself. But I did not, and I, I hate to say it, I did not put together the gentleman and who he was. And we're, you know, Key, I did not yes. realize that Key was, uh, was it Rerun? Not Rerun. Um, short Round. Short Round. And the Goonies. And I Temple of Doom. Yeah. I did not. I did not put that together until he hugged Harrison Ford. Wasn't that cool? Oh, you didn't even know it before then. No. Oh, that is cool. That's kind of how he came back. He was kind of out of acting forever, mm. and uh, came back for this role. Now, when I saw the movie, I kept going, "Gosh, that guy looks familiar." And then I came home and looked it up. Wait, Vanessa, that's that short round. Who did? Oh, you didn't watch the whole movie. Anyway, he does an amazing job in the movie. He yeah. does so good in the movie. I got to the fanny pack whipping. So you saw that? Yeah. Wasn't that cool? That was so cool. So he didn't want to do the fanny pack thing. He thought it was silly. And they said, no, you got to do it. And I'm glad they kept it because mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome. He's he's some sort of martial artist. Okay. So he kind of knows what he's doing anyway. And he wanted to show off some of that those skills, but they got him to use the fanny pack. Uh, that was that was funny. So yes, the Oscars, I watched some of it, did a lot of the just highlights from it. So I'm, I'm caught up on all that. Amazing how many movies I did not see that were in for the best category. But unlike the Squirrelies, all the games that are on that list – you've either heard of or played. And we for sure talked about them. Mm. Nothing is on that list that we haven't played or talked about in the previous year. That's kind of what we do is we go through the year, we pick our hot ones. Yes, there's some that we missed because we didn't get to play everything. So you're gonna, you know, people be like, 
how in the heck is this not on your list? Probably because we just didn't play it. That's the only reason why. Yeah. Our guest presenters will be ready to go. We've reached out to them. I know Marty's gotten some of them have already come back. Some of them don't understand the categories, but that's usual. Well, I don't know what you mean by sudden come back. They show up that night on stage. No, no, they're coming. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they've come back and said, yes, we'll be there. Some said your, your rates are not high enough. You need to provide us more. Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. We can bribe. I I get that. Sure. I do. But um, I'm still working on getting my uh, presenter here for my uh, game of the year, which I think is going to be a surprise to a lot of people, but it is the game I played the most last year. So it's not necessarily the greatest of the best game. It's the game that we enjoyed the most from 2022. I don't know about you. And that's, that's yeah, because that's kind of all that matters. And we, did do the all y'all awards so y'all had a chance to vote uh on the awards and you'll hear uh, what you as the audience picked to uh, earn your squirrely this year i'm glad you remembered to put that out there i go oh crap with all y'all and then you you posted i was like well dadgummit i fell down on my job i, I let you do the uh, tallying okay when when did you close it have you closed it yet at the time of this recording no but by the time of this recording yes <laughs> 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 and I just need access to the form. That's all I need. I shall get that to you. Okay. Yes. There's, there's a few checkboxes we got to deal with. All right. Any any video game news before we get out of here and I say keep rolling, Not guys? really. I'm not playing anything new. I'm still working through uh, Metroid Prime. And I know you're still doing Guild Wars, so nothing much on the on the video game front. But that will change over the months because it's getting ready to get insane with all the releases that are coming. And with Mario Day, did you happen to pick up anything? I thought about picking up... Um, Mario Superstars, but I'm like, I'll never have a group over here to play. The all, uh, the party game? Yeah, the party game. No, no, I, I did not. No, yeah. I, I'm not a huge Mario guy, but I have pre-ordered tickets to go see the Mario movie day one, so I will be going to see that in the that's, theater. That looks good. I That's going to break a billion dollars. I think that's guaranteed. That's going to be, because it, it's going to draw every age to that, to that movie. Absolutely. And it's only... Perfect runtime, 93 minutes, baby. Get in that bathroom break. So with that, keep rolling dice. Yeah, speaking of which, I, I do need to have need a bathroom break. And taking names. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, please do so by heading over to buymeamoonpie.com. You can give one-time support, reoccurring support, Any help will be greatly appreciated. And as always, please come join us on our Discord channel. It keeps growing every day and we want you to be a part of it. You know, we just talked about all the gladiators from Victorium and things like that. And in some of the arenas, there there were actually beasts like lions. And, And the Romans would, you know, to prompt the gladiators, they would sometimes put their family members, including their wives, you know what one of the uh, arena co- arena combat guys said to the people after his wife got at <laughs> at <Et. laughs> got, got eaten. You talking about sounding southern? Yeah. No. What did what what did the gladiator say to the people after his wife got at? Nothing. He was a gladiator. That was a long setup for a bad, bad punchline. Pun. <laughs> But the best part was he got it.